Welcome back to the Out of Bounds podcast. We're, after a long hiatus, we're back. You know, it's been a month and a bit, but a lot has happened. And, you know, we've got the usual guys with us. We've got Cameron. Come on, man. We're back. We're back. How's everyone doing? We're good. We're good. we got Raj on. No, it's been a long time, man. And last but definitely not least, we've got Jamie with us. Back again. Let's go. Ready and ready to go. And obviously your, your co-host, Akramia, as well here. So we're going to kick off with the NBA. And, you know, NBA free agency opened a week ago and a lot has happened. I mean, a lot. So, mm-hmm. notable stuff that's happened. So, this will be a bit quick. Gordon Hayward signs with the Charlotte Hornets on a $120 million four-year deal after he declined his option with the Celtics. Serge Ibaka is going to the West Coast. He's leaving the Raptors for the LA Clippers on a two-year deal. $12 million, basically minimum exception. And then Montrezl Harrell, oh, this is a sticky one. He's leaving the Clippers for the Lakers on a 19 million two-year deal. And then for the Celtics, they've signed Jeff Teague and Tristan Thompson on a minimum and minimum deal and mid-levels exception. And then back in Toronto, Aaron Baines has joined on a two-year deal as well, 12 million. Not bad. And then lastly, out of the most notable stuff, Mark Gasol. Yeah, Powell's brother signed a signed with the Lakers on a two-year deal, five million. So obviously, guys, free agency's been a bit mad. So tell me, like, what's caught your eyes and just what do you think's been good? Yeah, I mean, it's been you know ever since the Monday where the trades began, and then obviously the Friday where free agency began. Things have been popping off. It's been going crazy. For me, though. One of the biggest shocks, and it and it may not seem like a lot to you guys, but for me, it's Detroit not re-signing Christian Wood. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Christian Wood left to the Houston Rockets, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Three-year, 41 million deal. For me, it was it was a breakout season for him last year, and he showed signs of, of improvement with, you know, the, the more minutes that he got. You know, if you look from the last 15 games of the regular season last year, he played 34 minutes a game and averaged 22 points. And, you know, he's 25, showed signs of improving, and he, and he still has room to improve. So for me, that's a great signing for Houston and, and a very puzzling uh, decision not to re-sign for Detroit. My team is the Atlanta Hawks, and, you know, they're free agency so far. They're building a, a nice <laughs> team, you know. Yeah, they've been amazing. Like, I think, what's it, they got... Uh, Bogdanovich last night and I yeah, think Bogdanovich Golin- last Golinari night. as well yeah. and yeah. I've just seen uh, ESPN they've tweeted the potential lineup Trey Young Bogdanovich Golinari Collins and Capella wow. that is and that's I not mean, even looking at the mm, bench mm. as well that's... yeah you ha- I mean the the front office deserves a lot of credit there yeah and Jamie what about you I mean just I was just going to say going off what Rajan said I mean the Atlanta Hawks are looking quite good because another person I'd I didn't know if you were going to mention this next person, but Rajan Rondo. Uh, Rondo. <laughs> yeah, R- Raj. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. he's gone to the Hawks as well. <laughs> I mean, on a two-year deal, with, uh, which is 
I think, what was it, $15, 15 million dollars or something like that? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, Raj, Raj and I'm not going to lie to you, the, the Hawks, I mean, the Hawks are going to be looking really good. I mean, they built... They built up really well with Trey Young, starting off with Trey Young, and they've. I think they've. They're slowly molding the team nicely now, and I see them having a good season. Um, I was gonna say another one I that think. took my eye uh, was Wesley Matthews. Oh uh, yeah, of, moving of course from, he left the Bucks for the. Yeah. Um, the Lakers. Yep, he moved on a. He moved only. He's there for a year uh, on a three point six million deal, but you know what? There's still a. There's still a way to go, and I. I can see that. This next the, the NBA season is looking pretty good. It's shaping up yeah. really well. You know Wesley Matthews. I think he's like sixty percent of the player that Danny Green was. Like obviously not bubble Danny Green because obviously he was terrible. Um, <laughs> but for me, it's a surprise move I'm going to talk about. But it's not. It might not seem significant. But Avery Bradley signing with the Miami Heat because you know obviously he left the Lakers and he didn't play for them in a bubble. But then. Mm. Now he's gone to the other team and it's just like after they re-signed Dragic and also it's like them about to give Bam the extension. It's just like I think he's a great defensive-minded player and that team is stacked with defenders yeah. from top to bottom and it'll be, it'll be fun to watch them play. But also Atlanta as well, you know, like signing Raj, right, Rajon Rondo and it's just like I think he will help Trey become more of a Play if I don't think they'll make the playoffs in my opinion, but they'll be fun to watch that longer. That's for 100%. sure. I agree with you on that. Yeah, I think I think they they will have an opportunity to to make the eighth seed. I think you know. Yeah. Signing Bogdan Bogdanovic, you know, he's a quality offensive guard. You know, he's improved in each of his three seasons. Last season, averaged fifteen a game. You know, shot thirty seven percent from three. So you're adding shooting, and as well, don't forget that they drafted on Yeko Kongu. He's a mm-hmm. he's a defensive player. Yeah, and we will get to that in a bit as well. But you know, I just want to talk about the big money signings this free agency so far, and Gordon Hayward. He's absolutely just cashed in. Oh an yeah, amazing yeah, deal. Wow. You know, 100%. a lot of people are shocked around the league. You know, because it's like, why would you decline a thirty-four point three million? player option for one year if he didn't play that great but Charlotte Hornets they decided to pick up on Hayward and give him that deal so what do you guys think about that? You said he didn't play well last year I mean he played well Yeah, he he played well but didn't play well enough to be 120 million I think think the reason he played to his role last year because he did fall down the pecking order with guys like Jalen Brown Jason Tatum obviously getting better and obviously Kemba Walker's there so he did fall down in a pecking order and he played his role well. And, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, the Charlotte Hornets have overpaid for Hayward and fair enough. But, you know, if he can be fit this year, he will be a quality player for them. I don't think yeah. there will be a playoff team because they still have a way to go. But it's it's a decent signing. I mean, here's the thing, right? With Charlotte, I think, no, let's be honest. Nobody would want to really pay for Charlotte. The only reason mm. you're going to come and play for Charlotte is either the money or Michael Jordan. And obviously, I think Gordon Hayward looked at that and is like, Michael Jordan's willing to offer me this money again because he was over, yeah. obviously offered mm. this back in 2014. And it's just like, I think Charlotte had to overpay. But it'll be interesting to see the dynamic between him and Lamelo Ball because it's like, 
I think Lamelo Ball will actually make him a better player, and also vice versa. He would make Lamelo better because it's like Haywood mm-hmm. can actually play make as well. Because before he came to Celtics, he was the number one option, and I think that's what he wants to get back to being that number one option. You know. Yeah, and it won't be a terrible team because remember they still have guys like uh, Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham. Yeah, uh, I'm actually I'm actually happy for Gordon Hayward, and I think the reason um he he opted out. I, I mean, like with the Celtics, I mean, like it's basically like what a, a free run to the playoffs, and but yeah. um, with obviously the Hornets still rebuilding and stuff. But I'm happy because you know I think you all remember the injury he had against the Cavs on opening night. Uh. And I think, yeah. um, unfortunately, yeah, I think a lot of, I think the reason a lot of players, um, take the money in this scenario is in case like, it's a career-ending injury. You know, you want to have, that money just in case something terrible happens. So I think, that's mm-hmm. partly one of the reasons he's done it. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, like like you said, Akram, I, I'd agree with you with with Hayward going to the Charlotte Hornets. I think. Again, I think with the Charlotte Hornets, they're not going to be they're not going to be up there for like to be aiming for the playoffs. But again, it might it's looking like a rebuilding project for the Hornets. Yeah. And the fact that you mentioned Lamella Ball, which we'll go on to speak about a little later on, I think them two together will 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 be very interesting. I think going to the Charlotte Hornets might help Hayward in the sense of trying to rebuild his career. I mean, the fact that he went for one hundred twenty million. I mean, for four years as well, I I was quite surprised. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Charlotte Hornets this year. Yeah, and I, I just want to quickly, briefly mention the contract extensions that have happened over the last few days. Jason Tatum, Brandon Ingram, Donovan Mitchell, and Bam Adebayo nearing it. And obviously, I just want to get your guys' opinions very quickly. Just like, do you think it's worth it for these guys? Well, when you're speaking about Donovan Mitchell's extension, you know, he's been a terrific player for the Utah Jazz so far. Definitely deserves it. And, you know, you mentioned guys like uh, Brandon Ingram getting an extension last season. He played out of his mind. Definitely his best season so far. Jason Tatum, he can get even better from what he is right now. So no doubt. Yeah, I think especially like guys like Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, you know, these are all-star players. These are franchise players. You have to lock them down, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'd agree as well. I mean, again, they all they all deserve the con- all deserve their extensions. They, you know, the the play that we saw last year from from them players were just off the scale, and I think they definitely deserved the extension. Yeah. Absolutely happy for them making generational wealth for their families and themselves. Indeed. But now we're moving on. T- indeed, we're moving on to the NBA draft now. And obviously, this was before free agency opened up. But we still have to mention it. it's very important. So I'll quickly go over the lottery picks. If you do want to see the other picks, you can do that in your own time, listeners, as well as our guys down here. So with the first pick, Anthony Edwards was selected by the Timberwolves. Then afterwards, the Golden State Warriors wanted to get a big. They chose James Wiseman. And then Lamelo Ball was taken by Michael Jordan's Charlotte Hornets. And then with the shock of the draft, the Chicago Bulls picked forward Patrick Williams. Mm. Not a lot of people saw that. Then mm-hmm. Auburn's Isaac Hakura was selected by the Cavs. And then, please forgive me for pronouncing this guy's name wrong, but the Hawks select Aneka Okongu. I'm saying that right or wrong, I don't know. Then, then Killian Hayes of France was picked up by the Pistons. 
and then Obi Topin, man, this guy, the Knicks Showtime. snatched him up. Showtime, Showtime back at hometown. Mm-hmm. And then the Israeli forward, Denny Advia, got, fell down quite a bit to the Wizards. And then afterwards, the Suns drafted Jalen Smith. The Spurs drafted Devin Vassell. The Kings drafted Tyrese Halberton. He fell down quite a bit as well. And then the Pelicans drafted Kira Lewis Jr., and then to end the lottery, the Celtics drafted perhaps the best shooter in the draft, Aaron Naismith. So guys, tell me, out of all those picks, who, which pick do you like the most? Well, for me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to highlight two picks. The second pick and the sixth pick. James Wiseman to the Warriors. I think he, you know, he has the opportunity to give Warriors what they have had, you know, that, what they haven't had during their historic run. You know, which is an elite yeah. centre. He can run the floor and has the tools to protect the rim at a high level in this league. So that's an exciting signing. And for the Hawks, drafting on Yeka Kongu, I think, you know, he's an athletic power forward that proved to be an efficient scorer in college. Let's see how that can translate into the next level. He could be a, a good pick and roll partner with Trey Young. And because he's a lob threat and a good screener and he, and he offers much needed defense, defense for the Hawks. Shot blocking, rebounding yeah. and can move his feet on the perimeter. Absolutely. Rajan? I'm going to go with the Spurs who drafted Devin Vassell. Like you said, you know, the, he did drop because, you know, there were quite a few like uh, mock drafts where he was, it was quite up there. So I think the Spurs have got, yeah. have got a steal right there. I mean, I... Looking at the list, I mean, I, I would go for the Hawks. I'd go for, I'd go, for, I'd agree with Cameron. I think with with the Hawks, going back to what I said earlier on, you know, it's a rebuilding process, but they're really, you know, again, they're molding, they've really molded out to be a good team. I say, and I think they'll have a great season in the NBA. I would also probably mention Lamelo Ball as well. I think he would have to be. I think he'd need to be spoken about as well because, of course. You know, if I'm right, wasn't Lamelo Ball meant? To, wasn't Lame, like according to the mock draft? Wasn't he meant to be first pick or something? A lot of a lot of mock drafts had him at first, like that athletic in the ESPN. Yeah. Had him at first. Yeah. yeah, and on top of that as well, like if you look at if you do if you look at the mock draft and you compare it to the NBA draft, you know, big changes. You know, big changes. Yeah. You know, for me, I think there's one name I'm gonna get to start with, and that's Obi Topin. You know, this guy. The rise that he had last year in college from not even being a lottery pick or a first rounder to then being showtime. And, you know, the Knicks, they need something like that because obviously this is under new leadership. And the Knicks, like, I think they got the man for showtime. And I think they can bring back the New York Knicks of the 90s, Mm. you know, that fun watching basketball team and just like, that was that's gonna be fun to watch him dunking all over Madison Square's garden, man, <laughs> and dunking on all over people, man. And then another name, you know, for me, Aaron Naismith. You know, when I saw this as a Celtics fan, I was like, okay, let me do a bit of my research. And then when I saw fifty three percent from the f- mm. free, oh my god! Oh damn! Sheesh! I'm like, Sheesh. we got the best Sheesh. shoot in the draft, and you know, I think. Here's the thing, right? He's an athletic wing, but the thing is he can shoot. And that's the thing we didn't have last year, shooters. Because you take them and Brown, they had to do a lot of shooting. And, you know, sometimes Marcus Smart had to have that responsibility. And, you know, 
he's very erratic with like his percentages. You know, Marcus Smart. He's sometimes shooting sixty percent in one game, then twenty percent the next game. Yeah, and he's like, I'm very yeah. happy with that pick for the Celtics. And then I'm surprised about Danny Advia. You know, like he was absolutely hyped up, and you know. He's one of the most polished players, I'd say, out of all these respected players and mentioned beside LaMelo Ball. And it's just like, I think the Wizards got an amazing pick and they should... Maybe it's a trade asset that they could use. I don't know what they're planning because obviously you got him, you got... Um, please forgive me for forgetting his name from last year's draft. Um, the Japanese forward. Hashimura, is it? Oh, yeah. Rui Ru- Hashimura. Yeah. Hashimura. Yeah. yeah. Rui Hashimura. And just like, how are they going to pair them two with John Wall and Bradley Bill? Because obviously John Wall wants to get a trade as well. And just like, it's a real bit mess. So I hope Denny can develop really well. And um, another pick I'd say, Isaac Okoro. He mm. was t- tipped as the best defender in the draft. And you know, Cleveland, they've been in the lottery top five more specifically for so many years and it's just yeah. like are they going to really develop him really well or is he going to become like a bust like you know I really hope he develops well well he's, he's joining a team you already have a couple young players as well as well and Colin Sexton and yeah and, and Garland so and and that's the thing as well right um the, all three of them are guards mm. as well right so it's like how how are they going to fit is one com- who's going to come off the bench and it's just yeah. like it's Colin Sexton, because I think he's actually eligible for an extension this mm. year. I think you eligible to talk for an extension. But I want to just quickly ask you guys, out of those four t- team picks, who do you think is still? Well, all right. I was going to say, oh, that's a tough one. It's a tough one because I feel like the Warriors getting... James Wiseman is, is a great pick, but it's not exactly a steal because yeah. they've got a high draft pick. I think, like you said, you know, a, a player like Denny Advia, he's a, he's a steal because he dropped down to the Wizards. Yeah. The ninth pick. He's a very valuable player coming from abroad. Um, Rep- representing you know, Europe. I would, I would, so absolutely love yeah, him. Yeah, ex- exactly, exactly, exactly. I think, you know, a lot of guys, um, that pick, the next pick for Obi Toppin, the guys were kind of off and on with it because you know it's the Knicks and you never know what you're gonna get with the Knicks when it when the year comes around. But I really think he'll be an exciting player to watch at the Garden. He'll he'll and he'll bring people to watch the Garden. Hopefully, when fans are able to come back. Yes, absolutely. I mean, again, I think I'd I'd go along I'd go along the lines of Denny Advia. I think it, once again, as you've mentioned, he's repping Europe, but you know. I think he'll be, I, you know, again, he was very highly, he was very much hyped at the start of the draft um, a, along with LaMelo Ball. And to be fair, like, for the fact that the Wizards got him, you know, the I'm pretty sure Advia, wasn't he meant to be like, what was he meant to be, third? or? He fourth? was meant to be top what, five at least? least, I think. Yeah, and I'm surprised that he just didn't land in the top five. So I think that, I think for me, it has to be Danny Advia. I'm going to have to go with the Hawks, man. On Cup. Okongu, and again, apologise if I've said that wrong, but like I said in this uh, podcast, the Hawks front office, they know what they're doing when it comes to drafting. And, yeah. I, and you know, it's mm-hmm. this, 
I know Philadelphia came up with trust the process, but I think that's it's time to give that tag to the Hawks now. Oh no! Don't do that! Please don't do that! <laughs> oh, the process absolutely oh failed, man. Forget the process. Forget that, girl. man. Um, but I couldn't well, imagine mine. Still, Atlanta, I think the Kings when they drafted Tyrese Halliburton. You know, th- he's a great point guard, and you know he shows a lot of promise. And I think he's gonna be. He'll fit in well with De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Hield, I think. So obviously, with the draft is over, a lot of these guys are transitioning to their teams, training, and obviously free agency, team new players are coming in and integrating together and training. But a lot of these players, some people are quite shocked to see them in their team. So what's your biggest shocks in free agency so far? Well, you know, like I said before, obviously Harold to the Lakers... That was a, a a crazy move, you know, moving from the Clippers to the Lakers on a two-year, nine million deal. I think for the Lakers, yeah. the fact that they've been able to get, you know, improve so much with not a lot of flexibility is is you know very commendable to their front office. And like us, and still not having signed Anthony exactly, Davis and, as well. And we, you know, obviously Davis is waiting to see what Giannis does. That's the rumors, isn't it? But also, as I said yeah. before. Detroit not re-signing yeah. Christian Wood and letting him walk for nothing, you know. This is a promising young player. And I think Detroit right now, they, they're not going anywhere anytime soon. So I don't see why they let him walk for nothing. And then they signed a guy like Mason Plumley. He's a, a valuable centre, but he's not going to improve your team a lot. And he's 30 years of age. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And didn't uh, Dennis Schroeder, he's going to the Lakers as well. I mean... Yeah. That yeah. that was oh, yeah. unbelievable, man. I mean, the guy is just a scoring machine. You know, he the way he drives to the bucket and finishes tough layups, and now you're gonna put him on a team with LeBron, like, I mean, the team they're building it just seems ridiculous. Exactly. Like I think it was like within like a few days, like LeBron just constructs this like super team. I guess you could mm-hmm. call it. I mean, with with Davis, LeBron, Gasol, Schroeder, but I know. I think I know they got rid of my guy Javel McGee. Have to feel sorry for him. <laughs> Sign yeah. him and, and dish he's him ba- out. He's <laughs> <laughs> dish him out to Cleveland. Boring oh, ass Cleveland. Man. Can't believe that. And think about it, yeah. Like Montrez oh, had that great man. connection with Lou Williams last year with the Clippers. Yeah. Could that be a, a Dennis Schroeder and Montrez Harrell connection off the bench? We shall see, Jamie. Yeah, I mean, looking back at the, I think you, you, I think we have to agree. I think even though the Lakers, you know, they won, they won the NBA. They what? They they're coming after that championship again. You know, they're not messing around. So that you know, by signing Montrez Harrell uh, and Wesley Matthews, I think you know that they'll bring a lot of depth to the team, and I think there'll be a lot of options for the Lakers. So. For me, I think I couldn't if I I couldn't pick one. So I think for me, it'd have to be them two. After agree with Jamie, I couldn't pick one. Cameron's already mentioned one. Mason Plumley, mm-hmm. um, signing for twenty five million over three years, which is amazing. He's his agent's absolute <laughs> an absolute guy. Don't blind But you know, for me, it's uh, it's a toss up because Christian Wood obviously going to the. Houston Rockets but then still in the Pistons Jeremy Grant you know he him leaving the Nuggets you know 
Because the Nuggets offered him the exact same offer that the Pistons got. And it's, it's a weird flex in a way because it's like, yeah, I'm getting paid the same thing, but I'm going to be a higher option when you're not really that amazing. But it's just like, I don't know. It's like, it's just a weird move for me because it's like the Pistons are all over the place. It's like, it looks yeah. like they're trying to tank even further. And it's just like, I don't know, because obviously Blake's injured and it's just like, it's a weird situation the Pistons are in. And then, mm. obviously, this isn't related to, like, signings, but trade, obviously, the Stephen Adams, Drew Holiday trade, the full-team trade that happened, yeah. that got officially finalised. And it's like, I was very surprised that Stephen Adams got traded, you know. But obviously, OKC doing a new yeah, process. I, I think, yeah, I think it was expected. I think it was expected. Yeah. But obviously... We've obviously mentioned a lot of teams' names, so the Lakers, OKC, the Pistons. Out of all all the teams in the league, your opinions, obviously. What team is winning free agency right now? Well, I think if you're thinking about, you know, a team that's managed to improve themselves, it's the Lakers who have won free agency. You know, being able, you know, you lose uh, guys like Rondo, Dwight Howard, you know, and Danny Green, and you're able to sign Mark Gasol, quality big man who can stretch the four and, and play make. And Montrez Harrell is instant offense, and Dennis Schroeder as well off the bench. Wesley Matthews as well, great three point shooter. I think, you know, if you're thinking about winners and guys that have been able to, to improve their team, you know, it has to be the Lakers. I have to go with my boys, the Hawks. I mean, an already good young roster gets better. I think, you know, we had a few years where we had, like, we were messing around with, like, Dwight Howard at centre, then we got <laughs> rid of him. <laughs> and now you get Capella, you know. I think he's he's going to be the... the He's going to lock down the centre position for the future. You had Gallinari and Bogdanovich adds a bit more experience to the team. Maybe not a playoff team just yet, but I think they definitely can push that eight seed. I mean, for me, it, that's difficult. I think I would have to... I'm sorry, but I'd have to agree with both Rajan and Cameron. I think with the Lakers, you know, they've won the, they've won the championship. They'll want to win it again this year. So, and I think, you know, with the players that they've managed to offload, you know, Rajan Rondo and etc., and then bringing in players like Montrez Harrell and Wesley Matthews, I think you know the Lakers are you know the Lakers will want to try and rebuild and go after that title. So I think for me, I think the Lakers have just won it. But on top of that, I think dark horses. I I would go for Atlanta Hawks. I mean, you know, again, R- Raj and Rondo now coming into the mix, and then you've also got Onyeka Okonwu. Sorry if Okongu. Sorry if I've got that wrong. <laughs> um and of course Trey Young. I mean, I think they they're really going to light the stage up for for the Hawks. Don't underestimate OKC. Yeah. You know, when you think about last season, they they you know, guys at like Chris Paul upped his value when you thought it was dipping, you know. We had a, a very underrated season last year and the guys that we traded away, I think we got the most value out of them and, and now we've we're really set up for the future. Yeah, um, for me, I'll quickly say, like, none. this team hasn't been mentioned, but they have done a lot of business. The Portland Trailblazers, you know. 
yeah. Obviously, trade trading for Ennis Cantor, mm-hmm. signing Derek Jones Jr., re-signing Rodney Hood, and obviously, the team is healthy now. Obviously, Nurkic coming off that injury, he looked amazing in the bubble, and just like I think they might actually have the weapons that he needs. Him and CJ McCollum, yep, yep. and you know they got Rocco as well. Yep, and you know I think. This team, low key, it might actually be a second seed in the West, you know. Ooh. So, yeah. I'll take, huh? Yeah. I'll take. I mean, the West I'll is. I'll take your word on that. The West is very open, but obviously, I just want to quickly ask you guys as well. On the other side of the scale, who's losing free agency? Oh man, well, in my opinion, the Raptors. Ooh. They they uh, lost free agency. I think. You lost Serge Ibaka, who was a, a, a great, huge contributor for them last season. You know, average 15 off the bench, shooting 38% from free. That's something he's done well later in his career, being able to stretch the floor. You also lost Gasol. And then, I mean, the po- a positive for them is that they re-signed Van Vliet to a four-year, 85-million contract. And don't forget Aaron Baines. Yeah, they, they got Aaron Baines. But I don't think that signing, you know, Aaron Baines, Alex Lynn and DeAndre... Bembry makes them significantly better yeah. than what they were last season. And if anything, they might be slightly worse. Mm. So, you know, they'll be a good team in a regular season, but how far will they actually go in the playoffs, considering that you have to go against the Nets, the Heat, Bucks, Celtics, a lot of competition in the East this year. I think it goes to Houston. I mean, that, that Westbrook experiment failed, didn't it? And oh, man. And now they have to get rid of him. And I think it's just a huge mess. You know, D'Antoni left. I mean, I, I do feel sorry for them. But, I mean, to give him th- that amount of money and then just get rid of him like that. I mean, you're just asking him for trouble. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know I know. I spoke on the last... I think just before the NBA Finals, when we were talking about D'Antoni, I, I mean, I thought the Rockets were going to start their rebuild early because obviously they'd gone out and I thought they'd have started the rebuild early but then after hearing like the rumours of Westbrook and then James Harden as well you know it's you know it's sad to see and I you know I don't know how they're gonna I don't know how they're gonna cope so you know let's see how the Rockets cope this season but I think the Rockets have had to take the L here um for me is there's a lot of teams you know like Orlando the one name comes to mind, Brooklyn, in my opinion. But for me, the biggest losers has to be the Denver Nuggets, you know, because wow. obviously they didn't resign it. They didn't resign a lot of guys. Mm. I think they now put a lot of pressure on Michael Porter Jr. to perform even higher, at because obviously he's gonna have to do a lot more defending with Grant gone. Even though Jermichael Green's come, I don't see as much improvement. But yeah, the Denver Nuggets for me, I think they're losing out on free agency. But yeah, um, give it to our other co-host, Jamie, for the Prem. Let's go then. So let's just quickly look into the weekend's fixtures from the Premier League. Manchester United winning 1-0 against West Brom. Aston Villa losing 2-1 to Brighton. Newcastle losing 2-0 to Chelsea. Sheffield United losing 1-0 to West Ham. Fulham, very unlucky, losing 3-2 to Everton must say they're doing very well so far. Wolves drawing 1-0 with Southampton and Burnley winning 1-0 against Crystal Palace. 
But just quickly, I just want to take a few, just look at some results in depth quickly. Uh, let's just look at the Tottenham game as they won 2 0 mm. against Manchester City. What are your thoughts, guys? All right, then. Well, yeah, Spurs are on fire right now, right? I mean, when you look at it, Mourinho gets the best of Pep. Harry Kane, in my opinion, so far is having the best season of his career. If you speak about all the round stats, 13 goals and 11 assists in all competitions. The ruling, ruling out of Gabriel Jesus' goal was a talking point, but overall, Manchester City's defensive issues continue. They can be a delightful team to watch at times but going forward, but right now they are missing something going the other way, and this just shows that money isn't always the answer. Yeah, that's you know, very true. Very and, true. You know, for me, right, Tottenham, they're playing amazing. And, you know, I think they exposed City a lot in that game. Because, you know, obviously the first goal, mm-hmm. um, Son just cut the defence, you know, oh, so man. easily. Like, oh, yeah, like the, he used It's like the sharpest part of the knife went through City's defence. And it's just like, I have my questions now about Diaz. And I had my reservations about him before. And it's just like, that partnership between him and Laporte is just like, how, how long is Pep going to wait? Because obviously, yeah. I don't know if he's trying to win the Prem this year or not. Like, you know, and it's just like, I think City up front, like Cameron said, they're amazing to watch. They're fun. But obviously, the international break happened before Sterling wasn't playing. And that goal that Laporte scored got ruled out. I mean, handball or not, that's a debate for another time. But mm-hmm. I mean... Mm-hmm. Tottenham, they're, they're on fire, man. Like, Harry Kane obviously looking like Zidane, according to Gary Neville. Um, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, questionable. 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 <laughs> but I mean, his vision's like amazing right now. Him and Son, they're looking like the best pairing right now in Europe as of now. For real. For real. Mm. Like, you know what I'm saying? I think you have to give Spurs credit because um, they had that game against West Ham when they let three in in the last like 10 minutes and you look you look now and they've just improved so much defensively and you know that 2-0 is it's a classic Mourinho win you know get the early goal defend well and then get the second on the counter and I think you have to give them credit what Mourinho's done in the last 12 months with this Spurs team has been it's been incredible you know but I mean how much has Pep spent on this city defense now? What half a billion, yeah, half a billion. Like that. I mean, and it is so, and it's still so poor. That's what baffles me. It all started to go downhill when they lost Vincent Company because I don't absolutely like, even though he, he was slowing down and he wasn't playing as much. His leadership, what he can offer to those young defenders, is so much. His value was so much to Man City. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I, I'm I was actually funny enough gonna say that. I think City since City lost Vincent Company, they've just they've they've tried to find that re- that replacement for Vincent Company and they've not found it. It pains me to say uh, that Tottenham are doing surprisingly well. I mean it really does <laughs> pain me to say it, but you know, no, I I mean I've come to speak as an I'm coming to speak uh, um evenly here, but no, I mean do you know what the build-up to the first goal was just shocking i you know everyone you know the defense thought oh yeah ball's going to be put out to kane but no one saw son just run past him 
And I think also you got to mention Lo Celso. The fact that the guy came on and within minutes got the second goal shows how it really does show how well they're improving under Mourinho. And you know, I just want to say quickly, I'm surprised Mourinho is still here. You know, because I was I was thinking like when he first got hired, you know, I think this guy's gonna get sacked in a year, just the Mourinho type of trend, right? But this guy, I think. Danny Levy is actually letting him take time with the team, so mm. props to him. Yeah. And he's reformed the way he's 100%. playing. Mm-hmm. Let's look at the next game. And Rajan, I'll throw this over to you with Liverpool winning 3-0 against Leicester. Before the game, it was quite a scary prospect, you know, having just lost Gomez, no Trent, obviously, again thrown in against Jamie Vardy, who just loves to run in behind your defence. But, I mean... Matip and Fabinho, they were absolutely fantastic. You know, they just, they they almost bullied Vardy. You know, they didn't let him get behind. They blocked every ball. They won every header. It was just a really professional performance that I don't even think Liverpool fans predicted would happen. So I think Klopp deserves a lot of credit and so do the players. And special shout out to Diogo Jota, man. What a signing that guy has oh, been. Oh, man. Really has been amazing, man. I mean, I've, I've got the guy in my fantasy team and he, he's been raking in the points for me for the last few weekends now. be honest with you, I expected a close game between Liverpool and Leicester. I, I didn't expect Leicester to be whitewashed. I thought it would have been a close game. But, no, credit to Liverpool. You know, it shows that even when they're down, they're still not out, which, you know, fair play to Jurgen Klopp. I think he's he's integrated the youngsters in quite nicely with... Uh, Curtis yes, Jones. Curtis Jones. Yeah, what, Curtis Jones. Oh, a great what a player game. he is. And I think he, he's set to have a really good season. Providing he doesn't get burnt out, I think he'll have a great season ahead of him. Yeah, and the thing about Liverpool is, you know, you've seen them, they've had their injuries, but they're still second in the league. You know, they're, they're silently just doing their business. And I think they will be contenders again this year. Um, obviously, they will need their players to come back from injury and they will eventually and there will be a better team for that but you know again this season they're they're gonna have a great year again this year and they're gonna contend for the title 100% gonna quickly move on to the to the next just to the quick uh just to last game in depth and that is Leeds drawing 0-0 with Arsenal and do you know what let me just kick this off by saying if there are any Leeds fans listening to this you guys should have one because at the end of the day, yeah, I don't even know where to start, to be fair. I really don't know where to start. Like, we, we were all over the place. The fact that Pepe got sent off, we'll speak further on about it. But Leeds were all over us at the end of the day. Leeds were literally all over us. And I, I'm sorry, but... You know, seeing Aubameyang finally play down the centre, I thought it might have breathed a bit of hope, but I don't know. I I really don't know. Yeah, I mean, wow, disgraceful, isn't it? At least uh, nil-nil Arsenal. That Pepe headbutt was so immature. It was unnecessary. And and what was he thinking? You know, you have a game to win, a big game as well, considering that they are in 12th position, already five points behind fourth place and yes it is still early but you're still playing catch up and I saw this quote from Hector Bellerin he said I don't know if people at home realize how difficult it is to play against a team like this they literally don't rest in the whole game it is a challenge is are these the comments 
that you want your players saying after the game? Is this the ambition you want from your players and your team? No, not really. But it kind of... I mean, even hearing Bellerin say that, it really did pain me. I mean, Leeds were just so unlucky. I think they hit, like, the bar bar on the post, like, three times. The The Woodwork FC. (laughs) (laughs) and then Arsenal had like was it like two chances on the counter attack or something but wasn't there like a stat that said like Arsenal haven't scored an open play goal within like five six hours something something. like that that's ridiculous yeah I mean it's literally Obama Yang or nothing man like the guy needs help he does you know I'm just here's the thing right the actual game itself like Arsenal didn't play particularly well, in my opinion. <laughs> but Leeds, they played they played all right. I mean, they had the chances, obviously, hitting the woodwork. Patrick Bamford, like, he had a couple poachers' chances to score, but mm. missed it. And then, obviously, we're going to talk about the Pepe part in a bit, but it's like... It's just like, I think... Mar- like, I think Aubameyang needs Martinelli. Like, I think yeah. Arsenal are really desperate for Martinelli to come yeah. back. Like... Because Aubameyang and Lacazette and Pepe, they have less goals than Son right now. Mm. This whole season. <laughs> Do you know how of a disgrace that is? Don't. Do you know how? Don't. Don't. As soon as Aubameyang had signed that contract, for some reason, I don't know, he switched off somewhere. And I really want him to prove all of us wrong because it's like, you know, like, oh, he's, a, he's an amazing player. We can all agree on that. But he hasn't shown any sparks of his amazingness this year so far yeah i mean i don't know where to start and i don't even know how to finish it but you know what let's move on to the big talking points and you know what i think let, let's start off with the whole pepe sending off thing Got, lads what what were your thoughts to the incident you know i'm gonna kick it off right what pepe did i think it kind of shows like the problems in Arsenal. Obviously, he's a bit... I don't think he's hot-headed. I don't think so. And, you know, it's just like, why? It's just like, why? You're, you're trying to win a game. And you do that. And you now forcing your teammates to work a bit more harder. And, obviously, Arteta, let's be honest, I don't think he likes Pepe. Mm, yeah. After, that, right? after that game, yeah. I, Pep, I don't think he got the... The blow dryer treatment, but you know, um, deserved it. Hundreds. He should have, should have deserved it. But I think Pepe, he's struggling. Obviously, may I don't know if it's his game or if it's his personal life, but he obviously has to figure out himself, like his style of play, because he can't transition the way that he did. Like he can't transition his best play right now, because Willian's better than him right now. Willian. William. And he's not even playing good. <laughs> and he's not even playing good. So, it's like, it's a problem. Is it a problem from top to bottom? Or is it Mikel Tutter's coaching? Because I think 100%. he's a good coach. But I don't know, like, with Pepe, it's like, is there lack of motivation? Is there just, like, does he not care? Like, you know? Well, like Akram said, I think that red card embodied, you know, the kind of attitude between the players at Arsenal Football Club. You think of Arsenal in the early 2000s. You know, everyone held each other accountable. They were winners, leaders in that team. 
and you look at them now and, and seeing how much they have fallen and you can say this about you know man united as well you know there's not enough leadership within both of those teams but you know focusing on arsenal i think like i said no leaders there's nobody holding each other accountable you know i hope Mikel Arteta is really bringing him aside and, and giving him sanctions because that is really unacceptable when you think of you know the kind of game that was and and how much you know those two points dropped may affect them going later in the season yeah and let me just quickly say something as well right so about the leadership yeah Aubameyang's captain right I don't know if Aubameyang's had a word with Pepe but the thing is I don't think there is an actual leader in Arsenal like seriously mm. I don't think mm. there is because I, I think Aubameyang maybe he doesn't need the armband in all seriousness I think he's he he was he's a captain because of what he did for the club previously but what's he doing understand he's 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 well respected within the club and 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 you know the fans love him the players love him but right now you look at him he's not a leader on the pitch he's he's not scoring goals right now i was about to say he's he's a great goal scorer but right now he's not getting it done so they're left in a sticky situation. I mean, again, with Pepe sending off as well, I mean, at that point, I, I just, I, I already knew. I, I remember watching the game live and as soon as he went and, did, as soon as they went to VAR and he, he put the headbutt in, I was like, mate, you might as well just start walking. And I think even the commentators were like, you might as well just start walking. Um, I also agree with you, Akram. I don't think he was hot-headed, you know. It was just the fact that I think before that I think Alioski kind of rattled him a little bit and I think that's what's probably caused him to go and headbutt him in the where's end where's your bottle where's your bottle man that's the thing that's the thing I mean at least let's hope that Alioski didn't say something that Matarazzi said yeah to, and then to on Danny top of that him. as well uh you know just at the end of the game with Tierney you know going after Ali- Alioski you know I think that there needs to be there there needs to be some form of change, and I think I think Arteta is a good coach, you know, and I think he's still trying to get his philosophy into the club. Um, again, it's just even in his interview, he was really disappointed, and you know, you could tell that he was fuming with the player, well, with Pepe as well. But um, I really don't know. But that's the but here's the thing, right? Throughout, in this hot, last week, Arsenal have had issues. Dan. David Luiz punching well, Ceballos according in training. To, according to Arteta, then, he said that there was no such thing. And according to, to Ceballos, oh, well, no, on, but man. even he's Ceballos trying, came out and to... said that, you know, nothing had happened between between the both of them. But even even if nothing didn't happen, exactly. why are these rumours happening? There's yeah, obviously issues there is. at Arsenal. The thing is, like, I remember, like, with Arsenal, like, so you have, like, Tierney going after um, Alioski in the final whistle. I remember, I think, was it Genduzi, um went after Mopai Mo- Mo- yeah. the Leno incident. Why aren't they Mo-Pay, showing yeah. this fight in the actual game? Why mm-hmm. go Why go after them after the final whistle? Yeah, in, in that, true. Like, you need to show this fight on the, on the actual pitch and go for yeah. the win. Oh, because, yeah. you know... Draws and losses aren't acceptable for um Arsenal Football Club, especially when you see teams like Tot- Tottenham doing better. And the thing with Pepe is that it's a, it's a stupid um, mistake, but it's always going to come back to his price tag. Like, you see this issue with Pogba as well. Whenever he makes mm-hmm. a mistake, it, people always say, you spent this much money on him. 
you know, get rid of him. And I think, mm. you know, very quickly, you might start to see Arsenal fans turn on Pepe. Yeah. Uh, quickly, let's look yeah. at another big talking point from the weekend as well. And that is the five subs rule. Um, just quickly want to mention that the five subs rule has is app, uh, has been applied in Euro- in European football and the mm-hmm. EFL. So the Premier League are the only club that have not really brought this in. So what are your thoughts on the five sub well, rules? I, I think it's absolutely disgraceful that the Premier League haven't applied it. Uh, you know, they may apply it now that the EFL have in order to, to just make a statement. But I feel like it's, it's disgraceful because you see that football is becoming more of a business. It's becoming more about the money. And the more and more the players and the clubs are falling down the pecking order, you know, you have to look after your players because those are the entertainers. Those are the people bringing in the fans into stadiums when they can return. Hopefully that is soon. But, you know, play it so, many, so much players so far have got injured. You know, when you look at it a few weeks ago, the whole Liverpool back line was injured. You know, obviously you got Van Dijk out long term. Um, and Trent is out right now. You know, guys are going on international break and obviously there's not a break for a while now. Guys have gone into international break, got injured. You know, guys are just getting injured in general. So when are you going to step up and actually look after the players? You know, for five sub rules, obviously, I think the Premier League will eventually be pressured into giving it. And obviously this will benefit team, the big six, you know, so... Obviously, I understand why a lot of lower clubs in the Premier League don't want want it to happen because I guess they don't have the depth as much as City, Liverpool and Chelsea and United have. And I understand, but it's just like, I think, like Cameron said, it is a business. The five sub rules will probably get done and teams will benefit, unfortunately. And even Arsenal, who aren't, who aren't a top six team, like will benefit as well now. The thing is, like, even like Klopp said, you know, like he said, I don't even know if like I could, I'll have eleven players, uh, fit at the end of the season because, I mean, you see, like That's even crazy. like uh, against Leicester, Naby Keita went down with a hamstring injury. You know, yeah. he's just come back, mm. and Klopp said, you know, he only has three subs, and he said I can't uh really use all three until like the eighty ninth minute in case someone goes down yeah, with another and injury, just... and with five subs, yeah, it, like it allows you to rest like one or two guys and like the international break thing like i really think like just play the games that where euro spots are decided but everything else just scrap it man just give those two weeks for the players to rest yeah i just want to quickly mention as well like injuries this year are of particularly obviously after the lockdown stuff has happened injuries are up by 81 percent muscle injuries especially. yeah and of course wow well, yeah just wow, and it's the, it's the it's the TV schedule as well. Like we're playing Wednesday night, mm. and then we're playing uh, Saturday lunchtime, and I think um, Ole said something about yeah. that as well. Yeah, I think a lot of clubs have met, uh, a lot of managers have spoken about it because uh, with Manchester City, Liverpool, Klopp, and uh, Guardiola spoke about it. And Ole has mentioned about it, Jose Mourinho, quite a few managers have mentioned about it, Frank Lampard, Jose Mourinho, etc. And I think, I'm sorry, but the Premier League are going to be forced into doing this because it's putting a strain on the big six. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, the Premier League are going to have no choice but to bring it in. I think with the international break as well, 
you know, we're used to having two games. Why have they suddenly upped it to three? I'd scrap friendlies. There's no need for I, I'd friendlies. I'd just scrap friendlies. What is the point in having a friendly? There is no need. Exactly. There's no need for them. You're, you're, you know, you just... Adds too much inconvenience. It is, 100%. I think it's better. And I'm pretty sure that was the whole reason why they brought the Nations League in. To stop having... The, like to stop having friendlies. Why are we still having friendlies during True. a nation's league? During the nation's league, I just don't understand why. Anyway, let, let's move on quickly and uh, let's just talk about the bi- one of the big breaking news, which is fans being allowed back into stadiums. Oy. Obviously, all social distanced, but four thousand fans would be allowed back in if you're in tier one. And 2,000 fans would be allowed back in if you're in Tier 2 areas. If you're in Tier 3, then you would still be playing behind Mm. closed doors. Just bearing in mind quickly, London still will not be... uh, Right now, there is a debate whether London would go into Tier 2 or Tier 3 at the minute. Lads, let's get your thoughts on this quickly. (sighs) Sorry, man. I just want to quickly just say, it's just like... As much as I want fans to come back, I think safety is more important. But obviously, the Premier League and the government is a business. And obviously, obviously the fans help the Cubs stay afloat in the cash flow and everything. And it will be great to have some atmosphere because obviously, I don't know if you guys seen the games in the Champions League that are played in Russia and Turkey and all those other countries, right? When you have the fans all socially distanced. And it's great because obviously is they appreciate it and obviously it gives motivation to play harder mm-hmm. as well, right? But mm-hmm. I think I think it's going to be a risky business, you know, having the fans come back into stadiums because obviously looking at America, right, in the NFL, a lot of fans have catched COVID because obviously they've so, they, they are socially distancing, yeah. but when they come out of the stadium, it's not that strict with the rules, you yeah, know? Yeah, like, like Akram said. Well, me personally, you would love to have fans back in sports for the emotional reasons. But I'm not for it right now because, you know, the pandemic is still here. Cases are rising in certain places. And I just don't think it doesn't matter what quantity of people you put in a stadium. People are going to be mixing, you know, and and that for that reason, I don't agree with bringing fans back in stadiums right now, I think. Right now, we have to look at the, the health of our, our people. And by doing that, you know, that's putting people under threat, putting more people under threat, families. People are going to catch COVID by mixing in football stadiums. Yeah, like, I mean, it's a, it's a weird one because, you know, it's like 4,000 or 2,000. But then like, I know, like, because I know earlier, um, Brighton, they trialled it with, I think, in a friendly game against Chelsea, wasn't it? When... Um, they let a few fans yeah, in. They yeah. did. I don't know. Apparently that went good, but I mean, especially now, like you, the cases are slightly going down. You're just you're easing into a tier system. I I don't I don't think they should because, just play the season out and then just see what happens for next season. You know. Yeah, I just want to quickly mention as well. As much as we want to obviously talk about the the sports aspect about this, this is more of a political aspect, and you know, it's like, obviously the tier system is just like. It's very like congested right now. It's very like mm. it's very messed up, and also mm-hmm. like yeah, how, we only nine games into the Premier League season, right? We're gonna obviously play another like thirty, yeah. depending on what t- team you are. 
like you how many chances is fans going to be safely protected you know and i think that's obviously the concern exactly. but like it's also like unfair cuz like what if like say like a, a tier 3 team uh, a, a team that's in a tier 3 area uh, goes away to like a team that's in tier 1 you're playing against 4000 fans but when you're at home because you're in tier 3 you're going to have no fans like this you're going to have that advantage i guess so man yeah i mean don't get me wrong i think again this is very political and i i'm sorry but i i'd have just scrapped the whole idea i'd i'd just play the premier league season out because if you think about it all right there's great the great news is that you know we've got vaccines that are coming out and are being trialed and you know they reckon that according to the government they reckon that by you know by march we could be you know back to normal what i would do is i'd just play the season out behind closed doors and then let's say in august let's say august next year think we're in a better position let's say that we get rid of covid by next year for example you know then you can slowly integrate people into stadiums my my one risk my one worry and risk is when it comes to half time and full time you know you're going to be mixing with people at half time aren't mm-hmm. you you know if you're going to go get a hot dog you're going to be mixing with people if you're leaving the stadium you're going to be mixing with people again yeah i just want to sorry, sorry i was Jim, just going to say it. one other, one other thing is with fans coming back into stadiums this kind of i hate to say it but i feel like this would encourage more people to gather outside the outside the stadium regardless of mm. what tier you're in this will encourage those to gather outside the stadium so i i personally think they should have just they should have waited till august i think they should have waited till the new season was out and then gone from there i just want to also quickly mention as well in bundesliga right they tested it out having fans and then the outbreak happened another outbreak happened so then they had to stop it so i don't know it might be a tale that might happen in the uk for the Premier League and other leagues. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on to Premier League predictions. Let's look at um, the games that are coming up over the weekend. And let's just quick it, uh, let's just start it off with Everton v Leeds. Ooh, Everton v Leeds. I mean, it's going to be a big game, obviously. Don't, DLC, he's having an absolute mm-hmm. mad season. And Woodwork United, I think they're going to have <laughs> to do a lot more better at getting targeted in the goals but you know I think it'll be a tight game I think I'm going for a 2-2 draw cool I think Everton will win 3-1 I think you know that win last time out was a big win for them against West Brom was it yeah that will give them confidence after they went through a tough run of gate well a tough run of results this is one of my uh, top games to watch this weekend Um, I think Calvert-Lewin's definitely going to score I think Bamford's going to score. And I, I agree with Akram. I think it's going to be a 2-2 draw. Do you know what? I think it's going to be a really close game. Both sides are going to be really at it. Bamford really is going to go out there for Leeds. DCL will do the same as well for um, for Everton. I'm going to go... I'm going to go 2-2 as well, actually. Let, let's move on to the next game. Southampton, Man United. Southampton, they're going to win... 1-0. Sorry, Cameron. <laughs> Sorry, Cameron. Um, 2-0 United. Uh, Ollie's going to have one of those games where he somehow gets a result when his job's on the <laughs> line. Uh, 1-1 or 2-1 United. Uh, I'm going to go... I'm going to go 1-1. 
I'm going to go 1-1. Yeah, I, I see, see Danny being a draw. scoring. If he Chelsea. comes back from injury. Yeah. <laughs> mm. uh, let's go for Chelsea, Chelsea Spurs. Um, Chelsea don't know high right now. They've kept a lot of clean sheets in the Prem. And, you know, Werner's coming into stride. So I'm going to go a 2-2 draw. No, 2-1 Chelsea win. I think Tottenham losing. Even they're playing amazing. I think, I think it will be a tight game. I think Spurs will win one nil. Yeah, definitely a tight game. Uh, but I think Chelsea's attack is on fire. So is Spurs. But sorry, Akram, gonna have to give the edge to. No Tottenham problem, man. No problem. Right, I'm going. I'm. Uh, I'm going Chelsea here. I'm gonna say Timo Werner definitely on the score sheet. I'm gonna go for a. Two one. You're only saying Werner, so your fantasy points come up, hello. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. Uh, let's look at Arsenal Wolves as well. Uh, as much as I want to say Arsenal could win, I don't think they have a chance. I think Wolves oh, are gonna really? come out. Yeah, I mean, you're seeing the problems at Arsenal, man. I think it's gonna of course, come all out. Yeah. Um, but I'm going for Wolves win two 0 Raúl Jiménez and is gonna score two. I Damn. feel like. This game is, is going to be a draw. I think 1-1. One, one. I think uh, I can see Wolves nicking this 1-0. Oh, do you know what? I'm, I'm, going, I'm being biased. I'm going for a 1-0 Arsenal win. I think it's going to be that scrappy. It's going to be an Arsenal 1-0 win. Quickly, let's just look at some quick... Get, uh, just just go through some quick fire games. Uh, Chris Palace, Newcastle. Thoughts, lads? Pal- Palace losing 2-0. 1-0 um, Palace. 1-0 Palace. I'm going 2-0 Newcastle. Brighton v Liverpool. 4-1 Liverpool. Oh, yeah. Um, 3-2 <laughs> Liverpool. Ooh. I'm hopefully 2-3-0 Liverpool. I'm going for 2-0 Liverpool. Man City versus Burnley. Burnley losing 2-0. Um, 1-1. Oh yeah, I hope so. I think three 0 Man City. <laughs> you know what? I'm agreeing with Rajan. Three 0 Man City. Uh, what about West Brom v Sheffield United? No, uh, no. Um, I would say West Brom winning two one. No, no as well. Yeah, I agree. No, no as well. I think it's gonna be a boring one. Leicester v Fulham. Leicester gonna bounce back. I'm saying Vardy's gonna score two and help Leicester win four 0 I think Ooh. it's going to be four two to Leicester. Ooh, what? <laughs> oh, that's a good scoreline, man. Flipping heck. Ballsy. Ballsy. Yeah, I'm, do you know what? I'm going to go for a 4 0 Leicester win. And then the final game West Ham v Aston Villa. Villa going to win 2 1. I think it's a 2 2 draw for me. I'm going 1 1. I'm going for a 2 1 Villa win. So then, that. Finishes off Premier League predictions. Guys, uh, please don't forget to follow us on social media, Out of Bounds Pod underscore on Twitter, and the Out of Bounds Podcast on Instagram. That is it. I hope you've enjoyed this program. If you have any comments, please feel free to say them on social media. And from Akram. That's me. Goodbye. Cameron. Good to be back. Hope you lots enjoy it. Rajan. Thanks for listening, guys. And myself, thank you very much for listening.